You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. It was a wild Newsday for the Buffalo Bills on Tuesday, and so we have a ton to reflect on for today's podcast. Several Buffalo Bills players were sent home on Tuesday. The Bills made roster additions. They cut players. We have a stadium update. Defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier said some interesting things, and they also have some interesting roster gymnastics ideas to share with you that will help the Bills keep young players and not have to expose them to waivers. And so we have a lot to get into. So let's get started. First up, let's talk about the players that were sent home from practice on Tuesday. Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Vernon Butler, and Star Latulale were all sent home on Tuesday and must remain away from the team for five days. In addition, Matt Milano and A.J. Klein were sent home more to be on the safe side of things and are able to return tomorrow. So why did all of this happen? It's because all of the players I just mentioned came in close contact with a trainer who tested positive for COVID. Now, all of the players that I mentioned tested negative, but they were still sent home due to the COVID protocols that the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to. The trainer was fully vaccinated, but still tested positive for COVID. However, none of the players sent home that have to be away from the team for five days are vaccinated, and that's why it'll be five days until they're allowed back into the facility. And those players, again, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Vernon Butler, and Star Latulale, Matt Milano and A.J. Klein do not fit into that bucket. They were sent home to be on the safe side, and they can come back tomorrow. Davis, Beasley, Butler, and Starla Tulele, they're going to be out for five days. Now, Brandon Bean did explain that the five-day window for those players did not necessarily start today. For some, the clock could have started a few days ago. And I'm guessing the discrepancy there comes from which players were at the facility yesterday when the team had an off day, and which players have been away since Sunday. And that changes when they were exposed, and thus when the clock starts and when they can come back. But nonetheless, a five-day period where they have to be away. So what is the impact? Right now, not much. These players will all be back later in the week, and there's plenty of time for the team to get ready for week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers a game that takes place on September 12th. We still have quite a bit of time between now and week one. The bigger concern is what could happen in the future because some players are not vaccinated. This same exact scenario could play out at a later date in the season, and we could be talking about them missing a game. We could be talking about all of these players missing a game if this were to happen on a random Thursday or Friday during the regular season. The NFL has made it clear that unvaccinated players are going to be at a disadvantage. 
with all the protocols that they agreed to with the NFLPA. And here we are. So will this inspire any of the non-vaccinated players on the team to get vaccinated? Maybe. We know that there are unvaccinated players on the team. Brandon Bean said a few weeks ago that the team was around 80% vaccinated. He also speculated on Tuesday afternoon that that number could be lower because of the most recent roster moves. The Bills have cut several players, and presumably a lot of them were vaccinated. And when you send away vaccinated players, that leaves you with a higher percentage of unvaccinated players. And I'm guessing that based on these protocols, roster bubble players are absolutely vaccinated. And so when Bean speculates that that number is below 80%, I would probably assume that it is. So the reality is that any unvaccinated player that comes in contact or comes in close contact with somebody who tests positive, this five-day re-entry deal happens again. And so this is just the reality of NFL football in the year 2021 among this COVID pandemic. And so this is just a little taste of what could happen in the future for players that are unvaccinated if they come in contact with somebody who tests positive for COVID. And you know this is a teachable moment for sure. You know that Sean McDermott is going to try to use this as a learning lesson and all that type of stuff. But I'm not sure how much of this they can actually control. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Both are open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. And be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football and basketball to boxing right to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So before we talk about the players that the Buffalo Bills cut, they actually signed four new players. Wide receiver Rico Gafford, defensive tackle Joey Ivey, running back Kareth White, and cornerback Tim Harris. So let's get to know the newest members of the Buffalo Bills. We'll start with Tim Harris. Again, he's a cornerback, six foot one, two hundred and five pounds, twenty six years old. He was a sixth round pick in twenty nineteen out of the University of Virginia. He was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers and appeared in two games over the last two seasons, both of which were a result of being called up from the practice squad last year. Now the story with Tim Harris is this. He's been injured a lot. In college, in 2015 and 2016, he had season-ending injuries. One year, it was a torn labrum. The next year, it was a wrist injury. He missed all of 2019 due to a groin injury. Now, I'm quite familiar with Tim Harris from him playing at Virginia, and that's a school that 
I have good relationship with, and I've been there a few times, and he was a good player for them. The problem with him is, like I said, the injuries and then him being an older prospect. I mean, he was at University of Virginia for six years. So injuries and age definitely hurt his valuation. So I don't expect him to make the team, but it's definitely a good exposure for the Bills to get eyes on him and spend some time with him in case at some point during the season they need to add a cornerback. And Harris has really good size and athleticism. Like I mentioned, 6'1", 205. He ran a 4.49 40-yard dash, has a 39-inch vertical jump, 139-inch broad jump, and good agility scores as well, 4.36 in the uh, short shuttle and a 6'9", three-cone drill. So he's a reasonably talented football player, and I really thought he played well when healthy for Virginia. He just has had injury issues, and you know he's an older guy, 26 years old, and has already been in the league for two seasons. So that's kind of the uh, the wet blanket, if you will, when it comes to Tim Harris. On Kareth White, a running back, five foot ten, 204 pounds. He's 24 years old. He was a seventh-round pick in 2019 by the Chicago Bears out of Florida Atlantic. He was initially on the Bears practice squad, and then the Steelers signed him to their active roster in November of 2019, and then Pittsburgh waived him just before the 2020 season, and then he was signed to the Lions practice squad, and of course now he's on the Bills. So let's go back to 2019. That's where he actually got time in NFL regular season games. He played in six for Pittsburgh in 2019. He had 24 rushes for 122 yards, had one catch for nine yards, and he also had 14 kick returns for 264 yards. He was a college teammate of Devin Singletary at FAU from 2016 to 2018, and he's an explosive player. Ran a 4.37 40-yard dash, a 42-inch vertical jump, 132-inch broad jump, and that explosiveness showed up in college. He actually had two kick returns for a touchdown at Florida Atlantic, and he averaged over six yards per carry across his last two seasons. So just like with Harris, I don't think he makes the team, but it's a really good exposure for the Bills, and they may need him this coming Saturday against the Green Bay Packers with Antonio Williams and Christian Wade banged up. So again, a good exposure. You might need a running back down the line. And you might need one on Saturday. So good to get one that has some juice and explosiveness and obviously a good rapport with Devin Singletary. The other two players that the Bills acquired, Enrico Gafford and Joey Ivey, they were both waiver claims. So the Bills were awarded those players based on them being cut and the Bills putting in a claim and they were able to get both. So the first one I'll get into is Rico Gafford, a wide receiver, 5 foot 10, 184 pounds. He's 25 years old. He was an undrafted free agent in 2018 out of Wyoming, and of course he was the college teammate of Josh Allen and Tanner Gentry, but at Wyoming he was actually a defensive back, not a wide receiver. He began his career with the Titans in 2018 but was cut before the season. The Raiders then signed him to their practice squad, and that's when he converted to wide receiver. So he's only been playing wide receiver since 2018. He was on the practice squad for the Raiders until November of 2019, and then he was actually called up to the team's active roster, and he caught two passes for 66 yards, which included a 49-yard touchdown catch 
from Derek Carr, which was his first ever NFL catch. After the season, he was signed by the Arizona Cardinals to a futures contract. He was then waived this past Monday, the 23rd, and on the 24th, he finds himself a member of the Buffalo Bills. Now, here's the fun thing about Rico Gafford. Obviously, he's new to wide receiver, and so there's some untapped potential there, but he's also got legitimate 4-2 speed. Multiple NFL scouts that were in attendance at his pro day clocked him in the mid 4-2 range, 4-2-5, 4-2-6. So he can fly. The other player the Bills were awarded off of waivers is defensive tackle Joey Ivey, 6'3", 301 pounds, 26 years old. He was a seventh-round pick in 2017 by the Dallas Cowboys out of the University of Florida. He's bounced around a ton in the NFL so far. He's spent time with the Cowboys, Falcons, Seahawks, Chiefs, Titans, Browns, and Colts. And now he's on the Buffalo Bills. He's played in eight career games. All of them were in 2019, five with the Chiefs and three with the Titans. He's a player that I remember well from the University of Florida. Thought he was a good college football player, but more of a late-round type guy like he was. And he's kind of had that NFL career that I expected, bouncing around, getting some chances, but never really sticking anywhere. I think he's more of a option, right, with uh, the Bills being a little bit thin at defensive tackle. They have a game to get through on Saturday. They uh, just put Vernon Butler in this COVID protocol thing, and Trayvon Hester is banged up. So they needed a body here at defensive tackle, and Joey Ivey fits the bill. Now, the Bills welcomed a bunch of new players to the roster, but they also said goodbye to several players. Let's talk about who is no longer in the mix. Wide receiver Duke Williams. He has been waived with an injury settlement, and his run with the team is over. Offensive lineman Forrest Lamp. He was placed on the injured reserve list with a calf injury, and that ended his 2021 campaign with the Buffalo Bills. Now, there can be an injury settlement later with Forrest Lamp, and then he can sign with another team, but he cannot play for the Buffalo Bills in 2021. The Bills also released four players, linebacker Tyrell Adams, offensive lineman Tyler Gaither, wide receiver Lance Lenore, safety Tariq Thompson, and tight end Bug Howard. Now, if you guys recall from the Monday podcast, I attempted to predict which players the Bills would cut And I got three of them correct. I predicted Duke Williams, Bug Howard, and Tyler Gaither. But I did not predict Tyrell Adams, Lance Lenore, or Tariq Thompson. So what's interesting to me about the cuts that they made was that they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to cut these players because they placed four players in the COVID protocol. And that's interesting to me because it's a signal that the Bills could play their starters on Saturday against the Green Bay Packers. And I know that they signed Rico Gafford and Joey Ivey, but those were waiver claims. They couldn't have possibly known for sure that they were going to get either player. And they still move forward with cutting those five guys. And you wouldn't unnecessarily make those cuts if you were counting on having those players to get through a game on Saturday So like I said, this very well could mean that the Bills are counting on starters to take reps on Saturday against Green Bay. And this would be the traditional preseason week three game, which was in the past 
considered the dress rehearsal for teams and their starters where they would traditionally play at least a half, if not into the third quarter. Now, Coach McDermott said he would update everyone on Thursday, so we'll know for sure then. But I do think that this could be a signal that the Bills are anticipating playing some of their starters on Saturday. As for the cuts overall, I would say that they were somewhat expected in terms of the players. I thought Tyrell Adams had a chance to make the roster when he was initially signed, but as we saw through training camp, he never really climbed the depth chart. And then moving on from Tariq Thompson is a good sign to me when it comes to Jaquan Johnson's knee because they wouldn't go down to just Josh Thomas and DeMar Hamlin as backups to Hyde and Poyer to get through Saturday if they weren't counting on Jaquan Johnson to potentially be available. So to me, that's probably a good sign as it relates to Jaquan Johnson. Now, the Bills actually practiced on Tuesday, which allowed us to gain some information as it relates to the injury status on several players. Now, the guys that did not practice on Tuesday, Christian Wade, Tommy Sweeney, Jaquan Johnson, Trayvon Hester, Dane Jackson, and of course the COVID close contact players that we discussed at the beginning of the podcast. Players that were in attendance but did not practice are Marquez Stevenson, Isaiah Hodgins, Tommy Doyle, Spencer Brown, Levi Wallace, and Reed Ferguson. And Wallace and Ferguson were surprise names on that list, but I'm not going to panic until we learn a little bit more. They could be fine. It could be veteran rest days for them. But interesting to me that they did not participate in practice. Now, something that did happen during practice that is of great concern, and I'll read a tweet from Sal Capaccio. He said, Isaiah McKenzie took a shot from Jordan Poyer, who appeared to be trying to lay up, but McKenzie ran into him pretty hard and stayed down on the field for several minutes being tended to by trainers. He walked off on his own, but very much favoring his left shoulder area. And then Ian Rapoport confirmed that McKenzie had a shoulder injury and that he's undergoing an MRI and we'll learn more. So this is obviously not great news. We'll cross our fingers and hope that this is very minor and that McKenzie is going to be good to go. But the reality is we don't know. And obviously we're expecting Isaiah McKenzie to serve as the team's primary punt returner and kick returner in addition to being an X factor for the offense and providing depth behind Cole Beasley in the slot. So this is something we'll pay close attention to, but obviously it's a little unsettling right now to know that Isaiah McKenzie's status is up in the air and he could have a serious shoulder injury. On the good news side of things from practice, Bruce Smith was there. And so after Lorenzo Alexander spent some time with the team, then Luke Keekley, Bruce Smith, the latest uh, NFL great to be in attendance, obviously spending time with the defensive ends and working with Greg Rousseau. And so you guys know Bruce Smith's my favorite NFL player of all time. And, of course, I was really happy to see him at practice and certainly can't hurt these young Bills defensive ends and Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa and Carlos Basham and F.A. Obata and Daryl Johnson to spend a little time around the greatest defensive player in the history of the NFL. Now, Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator and assistant head coach Leslie Frazier He spoke to the media on Tuesday, and he said a couple of things that were interesting to me. And these quotes come courtesy 
of John Scott of Spectrum News. And John's becoming one of my favorite Bills beat reporters. So make sure you're following him on Twitter at John Scott TV. There's no H in John. So just J-O-N Scott S-C-O-T-T TV. That's his Twitter handle. And so I'm going to give you some tweets that he put on the timeline on Tuesday during Leslie Frazier's media session. Leslie Frazier says that Dane Jackson is getting an MRI today, so there's something we also need to be paying attention to, another player that potentially has a concerning injury. He didn't specify the injury, but he did say that the competition between Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace remains neck and neck. Now that's interesting, right? Like We definitely don't feel like that's a true statement. It seems like every indication possible suggests that Levi Wallace has earned that job. But Leslie Frazier came out and said it was neck and neck. So that's interesting. Neither player practiced on Tuesday, and Dane Jackson is injured right now. So the CB2 stuff is a little bit concerning. Leslie Frazier on Saran Neal, he said he continues to progress well as a corner. His main experience has been inside, but the Bills need someone who has flexibility to also play outside. And on Cam Lewis, he noted that his biggest issue has been staying healthy when given opportunities. And so what's interesting to me here is that Rashad Wild Goose is that type of player that can be cross-trained at slot and outside. And we've seen him do a little bit of both already with the Bills. And Saran Neal's in a contract year. Rashad Wild Goose is a rookie. There could be a natural transition that happens between those two players after this season. So that's something to be mindful of. And, you know, Leslie Frazier noting the need to have a cross-trained corner that can play inside and outside. And then lastly, on Vernon Butler, he said, we need him to play at a high level this season. He's got tons of raw talent. And so I saw this tweet come across my timeline, and I was triggered a little bit. Because this has been the book on Vernon Butler since 2016 when the Carolina Panthers made him a first-round pick. Oh, he's got tons of talent. Need him to play at a high level, though. I don't think it's going to happen, guys. I don't. I think Vernon Butler is who he is. A replacement-level rotational defensive lineman. So if you're expecting the breakout, I just just don't think it's coming. I think the book on Vernon Butler has been written. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. They have coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, orange, Strawberry, cherry, raspberry, so many great flavors. And look, if you want to try them all, you can do so with a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars of all time, they're healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. And only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. The flavors are amazing. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. Got a deal for you? Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We are not finished when it comes to important things to discuss on today's podcast. I want to talk about some roster gymnastics that I think may be necessary, and I have a stadium update to give you courtesy of Tim Graham of The Athletic. So let's start with this gymnastics stuff. And I mentioned this on 
Tuesday's podcast when I tried to predict the 53-man roster for the Buffalo Bills, and I talked about how they may have to get creative with what they do to keep control of players and not have to expose players to waivers. So courtesy of Greg Tomset of Cover One, he's been on this podcast uh, quite a few times, and you can catch him on the Cover One Buffalo podcast. He put out some stuff on Tuesday that is very interesting, and I want to go through it. So again, we're talking roster gymnastics and ways to keep control of players and not have to expose them to waivers, but maintain control of them for yourself. So here's the challenge. If you put a player on injured reserve before the final cut deadline, they're out for the season. You cannot designate them for return. They're done. And so the Bills have some players here in Tommy Doyle, Marquez Stevenson, Jaquan Johnson, you know, just different young players that are banged up that you don't necessarily want to end their season but you also don't want to commit a roster spot to them because you have this numbers log jam and you don't want to get rid of really good players that can help your team. So teams sometimes have to get creative to keep control of players and not expose them to waivers. If you cut a player, they go to waivers and other teams can claim them and you have to hope that they clear waivers before you can bring them back on your practice squad. Again, I hinted at this yesterday on the podcast. So think of players like I mentioned, Tommy Doyle, Marquez Stevenson, even Harrison Phillips, all players that will probably make the 53-man roster, but right now they are injured. And in order to keep them around, the Bills have to get creative, just like they did last year with Andre Roberts so they could keep Isaiah Hodgins. If you guys recall, Isaiah Hodgins had an injury and he wasn't going to be available to help the team at the beginning of the season, but they didn't want to waive him and expose him to waivers. So they cut Andre Roberts, and Isaiah Hodgins was on the initial 53-man roster, and then a day later, they re-signed Andre Roberts and put Hodgins on injured reserve. And when they re-signed Andre Roberts, it resulted in a thank you very much for cooperating signing bonus. And so they were able to do this because Roberts is a vested veteran in the NFL. They can be cut without subjecting them to waivers. So what Greg Tomset did is he went through and identified the vested veterans on the Bills roster who could be cut and then re-signed without subjecting them to waivers. This is an important list of players because these are the guys that the Bills can actually get creative with and pull something off like they did last year with Roberts and Hodgins. So here's the list, again, courtesy of Greg Tomset. Isaiah McKenzie, Taiwan Jones, Matt Breida, Bobby Hart, Jacob Hollister, and Jordan Devy. Now, the one thing that you have to keep in mind when talking about this idea is you do have to absorb the dead cap hit that comes as a result of actually cutting a player. And so let's get into those dead cap figures that the Bills would have to absorb. Now, I'm going to dismiss Bobby Hart and Jordan Devy from this conversation because I don't think they're actually players the Bills want to keep on the roster. But for Taiwan Jones, the dead cap would be 700000 Isaiah McKenzie, 350000 Jacob Hollister, 137000 and Matt Breida, 140000 
And so to me, that's all very digestible with Hollister, Breida, and McKinsey really standing out based on a minimal amount of dead cap that you'd have to absorb. So what you can do, let's go ahead and make this a very practical idea. So let's say it's final cut day, and you see that the Bills cut Jacob Hollister, Matt Breida, and Isaiah McKenzie, and you're losing your mind. Oh, my God, they cut these players. They're so important. And then you see players that are hurt, like Tommy Doyle, Harrison Phillips, and Marquez Stevenson make the roster. Give it a day, because what could happen is Doyle, Phillips, and Stevenson can be placed on injured reserve, and they could be called back to the active roster in three weeks, right? That rule from last year carried over to this year. You could put a guy on injured reserve, as many as you want, and bring them back in three weeks, and then they don't count against your 53-man roster. And then that creates the roster space that you need to re-sign McKinsey, Hollister, and Breida. And you can do the same thing you did with Andre Roberts. Give him a bone with a little signing bonus extra. They make a little bit more cash. They cooperate. And you maintain roster flexibility and control of young players without having to expose them to waivers. Now, here's the one thing we have to keep in mind. Is you do run the risk of the players not cooperating and signing with another team. Because once you cut them, they can field offers, and so you never know what could happen. Last year, it was reported that Andre Roberts turned down contracts from other teams to cooperate with this plan for the Bills. So you never know you know, who's actually going to go along with it and who won't, but it is an idea that the Bills will certainly be considering for these exact scenarios. The last thing today is a stadium update, which comes courtesy of Tim Graham of The Athletic. I want to read a couple sentences from an article that he put out on Tuesday that pretty much exactly spells out what the update is. So this is what Tim Graham wrote in The Athletic. He said, After weeks of tense messaging from ownership and politicians, all parties met in person for the first time on Monday to discuss the Buffalo Bills stadium situation Sources have informed The Athletic. Representatives from Pagula Sports and Entertainment, New York State, and Erie County toured Highmark Stadium together to show how much work the 49-year-old venue needs to remain safe and viable. PSE has proposed a $1.4 billion stadium to be built across Abbott Road and Orchard Park. The state has not made any kind of counterproposal, but sources close to the Monday meeting expressed optimism It could lead to progress on negotiations. And then Roger Goodell, who was at the Jim Kelly charity golf tournament, he made a comment on the Bills stadium situation, and he said, quote, I think a new stadium is what's needed. I think it's going to require a public-private partnership. I think the Bills and the community and probably the NFL are all going to have to come together and figure out how to do that in a smart way, and I think we will. So there we go. So that, that's encouraging to me. We've got everyone coming together and talking and sharing ideas and getting on the same page. And hopefully this comes to a wonderful conclusion that results in a great stadium being built in Western New York. And the Buffalo Bills have their sanctuary for decades upon decades. All right, folks. Like I said at the top of the podcast, a lot of ground was covered here today on the podcast. And 
Unfortunately, a lot of the news was not so great, but we got to talk about all of the things that are happening with the Buffalo Bills, and so that's what we did here today on the podcast. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review. Have an awesome day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.